Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Last night, mm. I inadvertently ended up in a Backstage Zoom room with Dame <laughs> Sean Phillips. Dame Sean Phillips? Yeah. Wow. I went to see this online show that was um, being broadcast from the Bristol Old Vic, but with lots of guests parachuting in. Yeah. Um, one of them was Dame Sean Phillips, yeah. who was doing a reading. And um, there was a magician that was performing. And he asked for volunteers. And I said, oh, I'll do it. And then halfway through the show, the Zoom kind of like did this weird thing and then suddenly opened up another window and then I was in the room. Wow. Yeah. Was it on purpose? Well, that's what that, that's what then happened. And then I did this bit of interaction with the magician, um, which was quite uneventful, actually. Oh, was it? It was quite exciting to be on a Zoom call with Sean. Because <laughs> I've always really liked her, and and what how was, what was she like? Um, well, we didn't actually communicate in the Zoom room; just waved. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was like the highlight of the week, right? And then what else have I been up to? I've got my neighbours. Um, I've got my neighbours' ice cream in my freezer at the moment. If you get a bit, bit peckish. Okay. <laughs> what flavour is it? It's Hagen Das. Ah, yeah, Das Hagen. Yeah. Um, I said to her, because she, she said the other day, oh, well, I've been meaning to ask you about your fridge. And I was like, <laughs> I'm wondering when you were going to bring that up. Because when I first moved into this flat, she just kept going on about her fridge all the time because it was like, on the brink of not working. Right. So Annette Curtin's my drag queen identity. Yeah. yeah. Sings a song that goes, her next door she loves to chat. I'm always trying to get away from that. She's always going on about her fucking refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I wrote that song about you. <laughs> and she was like, she was a bit confused about that. But then the next day, she said, "Can I put my Hagen Dazs in your freezer?" Okay. And what flavour is it? I think it's Praline. Okay, it's not my favourite. Okay, well, is it? Can you tell her to get cookie dough Dynamo next time? I mean, it, it might be. I, I haven't looked. I tried to. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, should we start the show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Welcome to What That Old Queen, a candid and adult take on queer life quandaries at a certain age. So please listen at your own discretion. Presented by Bernie and Tommy, their views are their own and in no way reflect those of any service you may hear this program on. Now, let your ears be upstanding for the <coughs> old queens. Well, well, well. It's our 40th episode, Tommy. Happy 40th, Bernie. I know, we've come of age. <laughs> feels good, doesn't it, to be 40? Um, yeah, I quite, I quite like it. It feels like, it feels weird that we've done 40 episodes. I mean, it's it's been over a year, hasn't it? Yeah, it's just... Uh, a year and a half? About Yeah, just about 17 months, I think, since we started. And we've had a few breaks as well. So... Here's to us for having a bit of bubbly. Cheers. Cheers. And thank you to everyone who's listened and supported us over the last year or so and um, contributed to the 5,625 downloads that we've had. And you've been doing a bit of moonlighting this week, haven't you? On someone else's podcast. Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> I was on the Lost Spaces podcast talking about a club that we've we've talked about a lot on this uh, podcast, but horseplay. And how did you feel talking about going out clubbing? Did it make you feel itching to go back? I really, yeah, I kind of miss it. Don't you? Yeah. Have you worked out what you're going to wear when you walk into the nightclub? I guess it's going to be what, it depends what kind of night it is. What weather-wise? Yeah. <laughs> well, I meant the club. Okay. <laughs> I got this fantasy of wearing a backless dress. Yeah, yeah, that would that, yeah that would be nice. I mean, we talked about on the Lost Spaces thing. We talked a lot about the um, horseplay goes cruising, mm. where you and I were dressed up in not very usual garb for us. Mm. And I was looking back at those pictures as well that we took in the in the gents' toilets. <laughs> yeah, the photo, an impromptu photo shoot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that look. Yeah, are you going to reprise it? If I can still fit into the swimming costume. Yeah. Was it a swimming costume that you I had think it on? It was like a lady's like swimsuit. Yeah, and you had fishnets and a blonde wig and a uh, mouth guard. A mouth guard. <laughs> Which made smoking impossible. Yeah. And well, did you have to take it off for smoking? I can't remember. I don't think it was impossible. I just think it was a bit of a it was just a bit more difficult. Do you think we could do this podcast with mouth guards on? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's our challenge for the, our 50th episode. <laughs> um, it's interesting being on somebody else's podcast because, as you know, I edit everything for hours. And like, when you hand that over, like your conversation, mm. And things are chopped around. Mm. It's it's kind of weird because mm. you don't have any control over that. Mm. Well, that's why I don't listen. <laughs> yeah, but I don't actually swap ours around very much. Mm. <laughs> I just keep I keep most of it as is. I mean, I could I think I have done in the past where we've uh, where we've interviewed people and I've 
I've made things flow a little bit where the conversation has detracted from where we were at and I've, I've cut it in into another part. But I don't do that very often. I kind of keep it as true to the conversation as we have. And that was that was the weird thing, that a lot of things seem to be out of context in the interview. And one of the things that I have a, so I have a bit of bee in my bonnet about ageism, which came out of a question that Kay Anderson asked me, which he didn't include the question in the podcast, but we can include it today. But what were you going to say? I think I was going to talk about Meghan Markle. Oh, yeah, let's talk about Meghan Markle. <laughs> well, well, I just wanted to have... Is she, I guess she's happy with the edit. I don't know. I mean, what do you, are we going to comment on this? What do you think about the whole thing? Uh, well, I have lots of opinions. I, uh, I, I hate this idea of being in one team or another because it just feels so binary. Yeah. Um, and but I do think that it exposes a lot of racism, but particularly, particularly actually in not just the press, but also like how the general public consume the press, really. Yeah. So they are giving what the general public want. But we seem to have forgotten that Harry was dressed as a Nazi recently. Well, not recently, but, you know. He went to a party dressed as, yeah, as a Nazi officer, didn't he? Yeah. Or Adolf Hitler, I can't remember which one. It just seems a bit, yeah. I mean, Hugo Boss designed those outfits, right? The Nazi costumes. Yeah. Or oh, oh, no, it was the SS uniforms that he designed, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I think historically. I so... I mean, maybe he's just a design queen. Yeah, I mean, it is a it is a strong look. It's definitely a look. But um, yeah, it's interesting. And the whole Piers Morgan thing, obviously, as well. Yes, I love that. I just absolutely, yeah, creamed that up. <laughs> um, yeah, he's such a vile man. And then just to see him getting a bit of taste of his own medicine. Yeah. Um, yeah, just brilliant. I've never been a big fan, I have to say. Um, I didn't. I haven't really watched it. I just, the whole thing just didn't really surprise me mm. that it happened with him. Didn't he date Megan for a while as well? Was that another reveal? Oh, is it? I've not yeah, heard that. Yeah, I've read somewhere that he dated her, and there might be a bit of baggage from that. That's a weird situation because he's like a really old man, isn't he? Well. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, as a bit of casual ra- ageism, <laughs> which we're going to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, I feel about, I mean, obviously, you know, each to their own. You can have a relationship with someone whatever age, but I don't think I want to date Piers Morgan. No. Have they talked about it on Loose Women? Oh, all the time. All oh, right, but it's constant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every every day they they was sort of having a different take on it, really. But um, right, yeah, there was. I mean, actually, loose women is is really good because it does try to get a diverse range of women's voices, and a lot of those women are women of color, like yeah. particularly being particularly vocal about the interview, I suppose. Yeah, but Jane Moore. Maybe I'm getting into too much detail, but I think she's a sort of Daily Mirror columnist. Yeah. Yeah, she seems pretty vile about the whole thing. Well, I think it's good to spark the debate. Yeah. And it's good that people are talking about the issue. It's just as as long as there's the correct outcome from it. Well, I think that it's... I think that the... Weird thing is that people are surprised by it, when it's actually... It's not that surprising that those beliefs are still 
withheld. Yeah, totally. It's just, I mean, look at what we've had with Brexit and since then, you know, hate crimes on the increase and, and stuff. There is something intrinsically wrong with our society that we still have these issues. And America does as well, you know. And I think, again, that I think that's going to be part and parcel of some of the things I want to talk about in ageism yeah. today. I mean, ultimately, just to go back, I just wish wish Meghan and Harry well, you know. I think that they they need to, to carve out their own lives and make a happy place for themselves. And they should be allowed to do that. Yeah. And as everyone should, whether they're part of the royal family or not, you either buy into... I mean, imagine being born into a job and you have to kind of mm. do it, born into a role. There should be an out if you don't want to do it anymore or it's it's too much for you. Mm. And... Yeah, let, let's wish them all the best for the future and Piers Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever um. he ends up. <laughs> and Madge. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about ageism because it's kind of been coming up to the forefront recently in conversation as well. And it was part of the Lost Spaces interview, where when I talked about going to horseplay when I was 40, Kay Anderson asked me, did I get any backlash because I was over 30? How old is Kay? Um, I don't know. I presume, uh, like, 30s. Okay. Um, but I I don't know. And I said, because I think we've had questions about this before, and I said I don't think that has much of a place in... Like, whereas I think that was true years ago, mm. that dead when you're 30 thing in the, on the gay scene doesn't really exist anymore, but, but maybe it does. Mm. This is an issue for not just the LGBTQ plus community, it's an issue for everyone. Mm. So I was doing a little bit of research on this. I've got a couple of pages of this thing, so uh, forgive me if this podcast turns into three hours. So in 2018, a Michigan State University online survey of respondents ages 10 to 89 revealed that most think middle age begins at 30 and that old age begins at 50. Uh, And a study from the University of Zurich published in 2011 determined that older adults often try to avoid negative stereotypes of their age group by distancing themselves from their age group. Yet another study from Columbia University in 2018 found considerable evidence that when confronted with negative age stereotypes, older adults tend to distance and disassociate themselves from the negative stereotype of old age. Which is weird because it's about our perception of old age, Mm. isn't it? And how the media is uh, kind of perpetuating this. Mm. And we need to get out of this mindset because a proportion of people aged... 16 to 64 years has remained relatively stable for the last 40 years but over the last 10 years it started to decline and is projected to decline even further in future years as a result of the growth of population of people aged 65 and over. Mm. The projection is continue to grow to nearly a quarter of the population in this country. A quarter of the population will be over 65 by 2046 
for the whole of the country and a quarter of the population of southern areas of the UK will be over 65 in 2035. So we have an ageing population. In stark contrast, the proportion of children in the UK population has declined from 24.5% in 1976 to 18.9% in 2016, and it's projected to decline even further in future years. Um, So in 2019, it was 15%. We just did an event in my day job at Theatre Bristol about... um emerging artist or emerging at any age so looking at how we think of artists as being young if they're emerging whereas actually you can be an emerging artist when you're 60 or whatever yeah and there was this academic that was talking about it um called joe cross and she was saying that uh, she likes to greet people with instead of saying how are you she likes to say how are you um how are you aging today (laughs) because like the only thing that we've all got in common really is like how's your aging yes i mean this is this is the other thing i mean we'll get onto this a a bit later on but the average age in this country what do you think the average age is i mean you know because you've seen the script but (laughs) what did you think before you saw the script i thought it was going to be about that actually because yeah it it, because i've 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 read up on it right so the average age is 40 so this idea of being dead when you're 30 in the gay world you're you're cutting out a huge part of the population (laughs) yeah and it's perfect for our 40th edition Uh, and actually also i was just going to say that um you know our special guest uh, today is simon casson um who's the co-founder of ducky yeah and if you go to a ducky night it's all middle-aged people yeah having a great time it's people from all ages, yeah. you know. And I think that's what that's what has actually been the beauty of my experience from the gay scene as well. I've obviously not every bar and club, but a lot of them, there's a whole mixed bag of different people of different ages from different backgrounds and you know, it, it it's it's a real melting pot of society really, isn't it? And also it's so dark in there you can't tell how old <laughs> anyone is. It's really good for <laughs> For looking younger, <laughs> but uh, it's going to within fifteen years the average age is going to raise to forty-five in this country. So the average life expectancy is currently eighty-one point five years, which will raise to eighty-five within the next thirty-five years. Not much, though. Only a couple of years. But but when you think big. about the whole population is moving, how many more people are, will be staying alive? Mm. It's really interesting, isn't it? And actually, on the on the um, Ministry of National Statistics or Agency of National Statistics, who seem to be one of our sponsors because they might be giving me a job, so <laughs> where I got some of the these figures from, you can type in your age and your sex, and it will tell you when you're expected to die. And they they reckon I would my life ex- expectancy is eighty five. Which brings me on to why when you're 50, does everybody, like, are you suddenly getting adverts to think about your death when you potentially have another 35, 40 years Mm. left in you? Um, Well, I said it's partly, I think it's maybe to do with that you've only got a working life ahead of you of a short time, so you should start to save up for that. Yeah. Or think about that. But I think that has to change as well. And as we have an ageing population, why aren't our perceptions of ageing changing and what would happen if they did? So media depictions of older people are so stereotypical and unreflective of our population and how we're ageing, 
people are more youthful as they get older now. I know people in their 50s and 60s who definitely look like they're in their 40s now. So that depiction of like grey hair, short perm, being quite frail Mm. and ill and old when you're 60 or Mm. 65 is becoming less and less a reality for people. Yet we still have that stereotypical thing in our brain that that's what older people are going to be like. What do you think you're going to be wearing when you're in your 80s? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm going to... I want to age very disgracefully. I, I think I'd quite like to be quite eccentric. I'd probably think about what I'll, what I'll wear. I, so before lockdown, I had a lovely lunch in London where I went to a jazz club in Soho at lunchtime and there was a live jazz band playing. And on the table next to me was a group of older people who were all they were all stunning they dressed up to the nines mm. to come and see this jazz band during the day and they were the most lively vibrant intelligent fun people my, <laughs> yeah my parents always go to that jazz club in soho what's it Do called they? i can't remember what it's called anyway i think my point with this is what would happen if our attitudes towards aging changed if we all actually relished the fact of 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 getting older Mm. retiring wasn't such a thing so if we included people into society more like if they were doing jobs they would continue to allow to work into their old old age i think that people need to be given an option to be able to retire i mean i wouldn't i don't at this moment in time i can't imagine that i'd want to but i think that some people i think of my parents i think i'm really pleased that you got to retire when you did because they worked fucking hard all their lives, yeah, and they were doing jobs that they weren't. They weren't jobs that they would. They were passionate about in that way, yeah. So that they've now invested in things like the allotment and stuff like that. that they can really get their teeth into. But it is like the grey elephant in the room mm. that we don't like to talk about, which is why we have all these little ageism quips mm. because it's almost like that is going to protect us from getting older, but it doesn't. It's one thing that happens to all of us, mm. and actually. If older people were welcomed into society, we have more of a dialogue with them. We, they're not expected to shut themselves away at a certain point. Mm. They're actually included into society. Then they feel like they're contributing and they have some worth. And maybe we could have like things like Brexit and stuff like that wouldn't happen. They wouldn't feel disenfranchised mm. and, and think that society has forgotten them. Mm. And it's something that's going to happen to all of us and we have an ageing population. So we're all going to have to kind of work together in the future, no matter what age you're at. And I, I wonder what the, stati- the statistics are. Um, a lot of people have done research and if people feel like they're contributing or they're included into society, they're fit and healthy for longer. Uh, I think even lockdown, we've, we've been losing our memory a bit. <laughs> because we've all been shot away. I wonder what the figures on um, dementia would be if people were more included into society when they got older. My parents are really frustrating because all they want to talk about is the waitress delivery because it's the only thing that really is the, the big event of the week. Yeah. So, But it's interesting. And I, so I think what we go away from this is is that we drop the ageism quips because that just perpetuates this we think about how we portray and think about uh getting older and older people and how we can include them in our lives 
But um, our guest is waiting, so we're going to have a little break, mm. and we'll be back after this. Like this podcast? Want to help it to keep going? Well, now you can by helping us grow our audience so we can get some actual adverts and sponsorship. All you need to do is share these episodes on social media. That way we can get more listeners and keep on doing this podcast. In the meantime, if you've got some dosh to splosh, you can click on our Patreon link below and give it to us. Splosh, dosh, cost, it all rhymes. Anyway, thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, so we're back. And um, Tommy, we've got a fabulous guest. So can you introduce them? Well, I'm going to say what it says on the website. He's armed with the Cockney Touch, a bag of combination therapy, and a suit like Paul Weller circa 1985. <laughs> How are you doing, Simon? I'm good, thanks, Tommy. I didn't think anyone read that. Up <laughs> <laughs> to way down the back of the website. <laughs> I have got the Paul Weller suits. Right. But they're in the closet. Keep it in the closet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All, well have you still got your blue coat from pontins 
I never worked there, but I used to go there every year. Oh, okay. Because it mentioned Pontins on your website as well. Oh, yeah. No, I learned my trade at Pontins, meaning we went there every year when I was a kid, Pontins, Canberra Sands. And uh, (sighs) Butlins was a bit common. We didn't go there. We went to Pontins. And um, it's where I learned about entertainment. So we went there every year from when I was about seven to when I was about 15. 1560. I once had a very unfortunate incident in a donkey derby in Pontins Cambersands in 1977. Mm. I don't like to talk about it. Were, were you there then? I probably was there at the same time. <laughs> Did you push me off the donkey? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you know, I actually, I was winning in the donkey derby and uh, it is a story of my life. I was winning through most of the way through it and then I came third, like right at the end. <laughs> Wow. I just came third, and my mum was really disappointed. But I was winning all the way through, Bernie. I promise you. Okay. Well, you're a you're a winner tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna let I'm gonna say you're a winner of the donkey derby. I fe- I got thrown off the donkey. I'd never ridden anything before in my life. I think I was about six. Mm. Uh, and the donkey trod on my leg, and the rest of the people in the race were the blue coats. So <laughs> I think I should have won by default. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for asking me about Pontins. I loved it. Did you? Yeah, I loved it. It was lovely. And uh, so you're home. you're the art. Are you the, what do you call yourself? An artistic director or co-founder of Duckies? Yeah, or producer, producer. co-founder. Yeah. yeah. And I call myself producer. And so yeah. you can see a sort of synergy between Pontins, the world of Pontins, and and what you produce at Ducky. Oh, definitely. Me too. Actually, <laughs> being part of it. Really? There was a ballroom in the Pontins, and the big show was at 8 o'clock. They had bingo at 7, and then they had a big show at 8, and at 9, all the children did a march out of the um, kind of a parade march out of the ballroom and went home, and then they had the more risque shows in the ballroom later on. Um, Is that the inspiration for Ducky, the risque shows? Yeah, the risky shows. <laughs> and years later, I went. I used to hang out at the Royal Festival Hall, and I was like, "Wow, this is really like a Pontins, but for posh people, because like it's all free, and you can walk from one room to the other room." But the people are kind of, t- and the carpet is kind of swirly pattern, and uh, you know, it's very kind of sixties and seventies kind of looking, uh, but the entertainment's a bit different. And Not what was the most risque thing that you saw at Pontins and what's the most risky thing that you've produced at, at Ducky? I don't remember the specific shows. I just remember when they started the show in Pontins in the ballroom, the band would start playing and it was just really, really exciting. It was kind of like, it was kind of, da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. like it was, I don't know, just kind of the beginning of something at eight o'clock and it just seemed like a whole world was about to open up. I don't remember things being particularly risque really. I mean, they had, you know, the usual kind of seventies kind of probably sexist comedians on, I would imagine later on, you know, the most risque thing we produced at Ducky or yeah, I don't know. Cause the I last time I was there, it was after my show haunted existence, which you came to see at Battersea art center. And then we all went um, and saw Katie, who was MC in that night, I think. And there was a film of her projected onto a white tablecloth of her doing a shit coming out of her ass, 
on Cath- on Catherine Hoffman's veranda, and you could just see the shit like slowly coming out of her bum hole. And everyone watched with absolute fascination and awe. That's what we call gay entertainment. Right. (laughs) So they didn't have that at Pont Inns and they didn't have that at the Royal Festival Hall. So what we saw was a gap in the market. Obviously, yeah. (laughs) Literally. Can I just say your lockdown hair is marvellous, Tommy. Thank you. Marvellous lockdown hair. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I have been growing it a long time, but it's really just... I've been taking all the vitamins to make it thick. It's coming into its own. Good. I like it. It's quite Yoji Yamamoto. <laughs> so so it's 25 years of Ducky. When, yeah. When you started it, did you think it would ever last this long? No, of course not. I don't think we had a clue, really. I think we thought it might last four weeks if we were lucky. And has it always been at Royal Vauxhall Tavern? Yeah. Me and Amy went there in 1995. Reg Fong or someone was on, someone like that. And and it uh, it was really dead. (laughs) And we thought, this is it. This is the place. Because it's a bit sort of music hall-y. You know, it's a bit like an old theatre. And a bit of a shiny floor. And also, they let us do it. And they said, oh, we got a Thursday night. So we were going to hire it on a Thursday night. And uh, But then just before we began, they phoned us up about a couple of weeks before. And they said, oh, we got Saturday free. You can have that if you like. Wow. And, rest, yeah. and did you always work with the readers' wives, the DJs, right from the word go? Yeah, right from the start. We Because we, you know, we knew what kind of music we liked. But we didn't know anyone who played it. But um, they, we all worked in First Out, which was a cafe in the West End. It's kind of lesbian and gay cafe called First Out. Do you remember it, Tom? No. Okay. I don't think I was probably um, around then. In the, it was kind of, it's called First Out because it was the first out, first gay out cafe in the West End, just before cappuccino culture mm. went crazy. And then we all start. We were all working there in the early nineties. I worked there for four years, and we met. I met Amy there, and uh, she just got off the boat from America, and she said, "Hey, Simon, why don't you take me to the theatre one night?" <laughs> That's a really good impression. <laughs> and I took her. To, I took her to see a Harold Pinter play, and it was so bad. It was unbelievably bad. And like neither of us understood what was going on. But did you and, stick it uh, through to the end? We did. We did. Good for you. Yeah. Last Sunday I was on Amy's show because I always listen to it on a on a Sunday night on Six Music. Oh, yeah. And I always just love the thing that she does with the, um, you know, she picks a theme and then you have to uh, say a suggestion for a chilled out Sunday track. And I always just text in because it's just a bit of company for me on a Sunday. And then she um, texted me saying, oh, we'd like to have you on just chatting about, um, well, I chose Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Because the theme was relaxation, I think. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was was Liverpool. Yeah, it was Liverpool. (laughs) What did you say about the record? Uh, Well, I said it wasn't really very relaxed at all. Um, it wasn't a chilled out track, but you would, might think it was by the by the title. Um, but it mm. is one of my favourites. So, Simon, we uh, a lot of our audience 
aren't actually based in the UK, they're all over the world. Mm. How would you describe Ducky? Well, it's a night in a pub. It started in the 90s. It's been going every Saturday night until from the 90, 95 until lockdown. And then it died a death like everything else. Yeah. Uh, but we've got a date, actually. We're going to come back on the 10th of July. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, that's the plan at the moment. And presumably you've uh, done lots of stuff online during lockdown or a not, few bits. Not really, not much. We've done a bit. We did our 25th birthday party on Zoom, which worked quite well. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of rock music and performance art and hairy men. You know, all my favourite things. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, booze. you also do a thing called the Posh Club. Posh Club, yeah. Because um, we've been talking, we in the first half of the show, we were talking about ageism. And so, yeah, tell us about uh, the Posh Club and the Posh Dance Club and the Posh Bus. Oh, the Posh Bus. Um, yeah, so the Posh Club is, uh, well, it was for my mum, really. So my mum passed away a few years ago, but before she went, we decided to make a club for her. She was 84. She'd moved from where we come from, which was Hackney in London, to this area called Crawley in Sussex, which is a bit deadbeat, and there wasn't much happening for people. In London, she'd go down to Royal Festival Hall, you know, she'd go to all sorts of places. She did yoga, and she, but when she went to Crawley, there wasn't really anything happening. So uh, my sister put on a tea party for her in her house um, and invited her neighbour in, Esther, uh, and her friend, Frida. And uh, they had a nice tea party together. And I said to my and they really enjoyed it. And um, I said to my sister, oh, why don't we kind of join forces and I'll put, we'll hire a hall up the road. You do the tea and the cakes and like make it all nice. I'll put on some cabaret. We'll ask everyone to dress up. And that was the concept, really. And that was about nine years ago. And then now we've got about, we've got five of them. We've got one in Crawley, one in Hackney, one in the Elephant Castle, one in Brighton, and one in Hastings. And so it's it's like Ducky, but it's for people in their 90s, 80s, and 70s. And it's tea rather than lager uh, and scones. And it's in the afternoon. So it's a kind of afternoon cabaret club and disco dance floor for people over 65 it sounds amazing and there's been yeah. some research into how this helps older people's health and engagement so what 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 were the outcomes of that well you know in this country like a lot of people kind of leave their older like a lot of people are a little bit kind of estranged from their families or people don't all live together do they people often live in different towns so a lot of kind of I mean, my mum was quite lonely, you know. I mean, she moved to Crawley to be near my sister, and I used to see her once a week. But um, we thought that we would create, like, like the arts generally tends to be for kind of the arts, like theatre or, you know, kind of galleries or art centres or things like that, tends to be more like for middle-class people, would you say? Mm, yeah. Um, I thought there was a kind of, and it's a bit kind of with the Pontins, we talked about Pontins earlier, um, uh, you know, I thought that there was a kind of a way to do this that's really specifically for working class people that was just kind of like a lot of fun. So we set it up with that in mind. So it has, you know, it's very kind of popular forms and it's very influenced by the kind of thing that was on at Pontins, I suppose. It's very social. 
Um, lots you, do, you often have the Black Elvis, don't you, there? We definitely got the Black Elvis, yeah. yeah. And the Chinese Elvis. Great. <laughs> so often the, you work with queer performers and it's, a you know, Ducky is a queer-led organisation. Yeah, work, queer-led, yeah. Yeah, working with older people, you know, not necessarily them being LGBT. Like, how does that mix, do you think? Yeah, I think it really surprised us, especially, I mean, I just think it's a really beautiful combination. In Hackney, it's a lot, it's quite a big uh, African-Caribbean community, and they're quite churchy, and they're really, and like the churchy black women in their 80s, and they've massively embraced kind of the queers, or the young queer volunteers, and like and and also the performance and there's a kind of total wildness about them and it seems very modern and contemporary and kind of I just and kind of there just isn't any we haven't experienced any kind of prejudice or mm, great. I mean, it's very much kind of thing of its time I think and has uh, has it changed your perception of an outlook of getting older doing the posh club I mean well I really like getting older I really hated being young. I mean, I like nightclubs and, you know, having fun and things, but I I think it's much easier. I don't, don't you think it's easier to get older? Yeah, than totally. To be, being young is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, uh, don't, you don't really know yourself very well. And I think as you get, get older, you, you, you kind of, I don't know, you ease into your, your body and your personality, don't you? More insecurities, I think. But it was a, for me, it was quite an anxious time, I think. And I only really got happy when I kind of got into my 40s. And I only really met a kind of boyfriend-type person till I was, when I was 45. I mean, I'm 54 now, but when I was 45, I went to gay speed dating. Amazing. And <laughs> I mean, I had boyfriends in the old days and girlfriends. But <laughs> God knows what that was all about. Um <laughs> But then I never met, I met the person that I kind of got with properly and maybe I was not, maybe I was ready to meet them when I was 45, which is crazy, you know, yeah. And is that your boyfriend now? Yeah, so we've been together for nine years. And But I think before that, I think I was too insecure in myself to kind of make something work. Right, yeah. You know, and I don't know, I just worry a lot less than when I was young. Yeah. And I like I like older people, I think. And also being in an audience of older people, like when you put on some artwork, like a performance or a piece of music or something, and just the way they kind of pay attention or engage with it, it's very kind of thoughtful. And it's just sometimes in the posh club, there's this really, sometimes it's really wild and you have like outrageous acts like naked ballet dancers and whatnot, and they love all that but sometimes you might have kind of a piece of opera on and it's just the way that somebody with 80 years of experience the way they listen to something yeah and the kind of the and i the kind of depth of the way that they're experiencing an experience like the way they're kind of respecting something or meeting it and i think that you know sometimes you get you know it's interesting about audiences you know there's the kind of wonderment of like children you know a, a puppet show kind of audience and there's the kind of deep kind of maturity of a kind of older audience mm. and i think it's very interesting to kind of think about uh, these kind of things and it's a real gift to be able to i mean provide I that for people that's 
that is one of the things that I find terrifying sometimes about performing in Ducky is the audience are not always with you. You know, sometimes they can just be stood right at the front, but on their phones or something. So you kind of have to grab them, don't you? You have to do something really short and punchy and dynamic. Yeah, I mean, if Amy catches them on their phones, though, she gives them a yeah, clap round, yeah. <laughs> round their ear with her, her handbag. And she's been in, she's been in like kind of more or less fist fights with audience members before over the twenty five years to tame them and to make sure they're arts friendly. But yeah, I think everything we do has that kind of has that social thing where the audience are kind of a little they're supportive, but they're also free, and they're not it's not it's, they're not in the dark in rows of seats trapped to their chained to their seat. Like there's a kind of lively, dare I say, a bit Pontins kind of atmosphere that runs through everything that we do. You'd never get catch us sort of doing a show at Bristol Old Vic, no offence. Mm. Um, but do you know what I mean? We wouldn't do that kind of thing where audiences sit in seats in the dark in the theatre. It always has to be the relationship. You know, the relationship is dynamic. Unfortunately, sometimes with the pub, yeah, you get some, you know, somebody coming in and maybe they're not paying attention, but normally Amy sorts them out. I mean, when I say, yeah, it's scary, but it's also really exciting. Yeah, dynamic. And there's a kind of tension. Mm. And I I can't get on with the fourth wall myself. You know, the fourth wall, like, between you and the audience, between the audience and the show. Yeah. I, um, so it's I almost was, ignoring the fact that they are there. Yeah, I've always felt uncomfortable with the fourth wall or a little bit alienated. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't really go to, I mean, I love your work, Tom. I've, been, I've seen a few of your shows and I think they're beautiful. And they, they've often got a fourth wall, haven't they? But um, but there's an element of me being a storyteller, talking directly to the audience. Like, yeah. And there's, yeah. there's, well, with King's Cross Remix, everyone comes up on the end and has a dance with me on the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that show. I love that kind of performance art, but I don't really like theater, like plays, uh, a kind of fourth wall plays where, you know, actors pretend to be somebody else. I always feel a bit uncomfortable. So you, what you prefer is more akin to something like a music hall type yeah, music of hall. You know, performance in a way. Yeah, music hall. Music hall, definitely. Um, Which is, you know, a lively audience. Maybe sometimes, maybe they might seem a bit frightening, but, um, you know, the tradition of the working men's club. Yeah. The tradition of the pop concert. Uh, the yeah. pantomime. All these things I feel comfortable in, the Pontins, I don't feel so comfortable in, you know, uh, A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. Well, we hope, we hope you feel comfortable tonight on What That Old Queen. Thank you for joining us in the throne room. Um, we're going to move on. Can I just ask you, where are you? It looks like you're, uh, your computer's in a cardboard box or something. You're... <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a spare room in Brighton. I moved to Brighton a few years ago. This is uh, that's just that's uh, yeah. Is I'm it actually, just a I, shelf? You know, like yeah. the rent's really expensive, so I thought I bought a box. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a shelf. Amazing. Okay, well, Simon, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, you're going to stay with us to do some Queens of Agony and put yes, your please. two penneth in. Okay, I'm going to do a big gong. Because that's what I do. Good. At this point. 
and um, uh, I'm going to include you uh, as you're you know, of a similar age. I'm going to include you in the old Queen's pantheon, uh, Simon. So, uh, de- dear old Queen's, any advice for a first date? I'm very nervous. Actually, I think you might be really good for some of these questions, considering what you just said about your relationship. So uh, I've been texting with this guy for about two weeks and we are finally getting to meet up for drinks. I'm 28 and really nervous about meeting him. I don't have a lot of experience dating guys. This will be only my third date with a guy and I only had one serious boyfriend. I've only recently become comfortable with my sexuality, although still not really out. I thought I'd try dating again. Also, we both made it clear we're looking for a relationship. (laughs) I also don't actually drink, which I told him, and he's fine with that. Any words of encouragement or advice for first dates? Wow. What was your first date like, Simon? Well, you speed dated, right? Oh yeah, we did. I did speed dating, and I said to my the when before I met my boyfriend, we, we went speed dating. I only went once. I met him, and then I've been back since. My thing, my advice would be to try to be yourself and try to show your vulnerability. I remember thinking to myself, you know, before I went to speed dating, don't show off, don't show, you know, give it the big one. Try to kind of be vulnerable which is kind of hard to do. I think kind of naturally I prefer to kind of be a bit showbiz and all that and sort of scare people off. But it's quite hard to be vulnerable with new people, isn't it? Yeah. It's, so it's scary. To try, yeah. Try to get in touch with your vulnerability or. I'm sure people have said to me when I've been on a first date, like be yourself, but not that much. <laughs> <laughs> I always think an old a first um, date is a little bit like having a job interview, which I guess is a little bit what speed dating's like as well, isn't it? Because you you go around talking to people and asking them certain questions, and it's it, it feels yeah, it was a little, very formal. Yeah, are you it was quite formal? Which I liked. That's what I liked about it, really. Because in the old days, it was just you know you'd just be really drunk. You'd be in a nightclub, be really late. And then you just, you know, put your tongue down their mouth and go home with them. Whereas <laughs> I thought I'd try something different, you know, now, you know, now I'm all older and sophisticated. Um, <laughs> so that's why I went to the speed dating and, you know, try to be authentic. Yeah. Uh, and have integrity. Yeah. Well, this guy doesn't drink, so he's not going to be able to have any Dutch courage. But I yeah. would say, that, that, like, find somewhere that you feel really comfortable in to meet them there. Yeah. Also, I quite like the idea of doing, like, doing something on a first date, like rather than it just being you having a drink with someone, mm. that you go and play crazy golf or something like that, mm. so that you, so there's a there's an also a distraction, so it's not the onus isn't just on having a conversation and asking questions all the time. What's so, that film about the abortionist? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't Do you, seen it. You know the one. <laughs> No, oh. <laughs> it's really traumatic. My friend went on the first date with her boyfriend and saw that film. What's it called? Uh, it's the woman's Alfie. name. Oh yeah, uh, uh, Vera. Vera Drake. Vera Drake. Oh gosh, <laughs> I Go see Vera Drake. <laughs> I I th- see. I think cinema is a really bad date because you're not actually getting to know someone at all. That's like a 
that's like a fourth or fifth date. Uh, I don't think it's the first date. My main advice to people would be don't sleep with them, like for at least three dates or four dates. Okay, don't put out on a first date. Don't, you know, don't go home with them. Yeah. If it's romance, I mean, it's okay if it's just a hookup, like on an app or whatever people do. Yeah. But if, if you're looking for romance, don't sleep with them for a while, for a few weeks. Okay, that's interesting. That would be my advice. Also, there's, if you know that you're not going to sleep with them, there's less of that anxiety or expectation about that. So you can, you can think about other things during the date. I think that's good advice. Okay, let's move on. I think that I think I think it's we've covered. given some good yeah. good advice there. Okay, uh, dear old queens, have you given up finding someone? I'm now forty five and I have had absolutely no success in finding another guy or anything. I can't even find a contractor to work in my house, let alone find a guy to build a relationship with. It's been six years since my last fling, and another eight years before that for a relationship. It just seems like nobody out there is for me in any capacity whatsoever. Am I alone or have you had similar experiences? Um, well, you said that you didn't meet your partner until you were about 45. Was that right? Yeah, I think this this person's obviously got a lot of problems and I had a lot of problems. <laughs> like, um, I, think that, I, I think there's millions of fish in the sea. I think there's millions of people that you can meet. I think it's about the person, why mm. you're not meeting somebody. I think it's about what's going on inside. I think I wasn't ready to meet somebody until I was 45. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I think all the relationships I had up until I was 55 were disastrous. Yeah. Well, I've, I've had many, many successful relationships, as I like to say. <laughs> uh, and I haven't, well, I guess I've had one since I was 45. Are you a serial monogamist? Uh, I think I was at one point, but no, I'm not particularly. I quite, I quite enjoy being single. I think mm. I'm in a better position now than I ever have been to actually have a really good relationship. Uh, I just haven't met the right person for that but i'm open to it but i'm not expecting it and i think that's another thing this guy is obviously so fixated on getting a relationship that perhaps that's scaring people off Mm. because people can smell desperation from a mile off and they Mm. and they they'll get scared of that what do you think tommy um i'm probably a bit like you like i'm not expecting it i'm open to it but I'm really not expecting it, and I, I'm I, I'm totally happy doing my own thing. I was at a, I was speaking to a friend on Wednesday, and they were they were really trying to set me up with someone. Oh, I yeah. just felt a bit uncomfortable with the whole thing, really. I, yeah, those setups sometimes don't work at all, do they? Because sometimes people's ideas of what you might like in someone are completely wrong. Mm. But when they said they were very financially secure, it sort of put a different spin on it. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> do we need are to you, get? Do are we you need, one of these gold diggers, Tommy? I'm not a gold <laughs> digger, but but you know, it would be quite nice, wouldn't it? I think I'm going to go yeah. and buy a hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say it's an it's a it's an artist strategy, isn't it? It's a, a strategy for a performance artists, you yeah. know, finding a rich boyfriend. I mean, I should have been thinking. I mean, actually, when I was 17, 18, up until probably mid-20s, I was going out with someone that was very rich. 
And I just thought that was going to be, not necessarily that I was going to be with him all the time, but I did just always think that I was going to be with someone that was going to be a bit more wealthier than me. Mm. Didn't really mm. think about it. I just thought, I think I thought all gay men were rich. <laughs> Have you always relied on the kindness of strangers? <laughs> <laughs> Some people make it a policy. Some people, you know, I've got this friend, is a, a lesbian woman. She won't go out with anybody that is below her income bracket. Like she's got a threshold, you know, and they, they have to earn more money than her uh, before she'd consider like seeing them. <laughs> I had this awful gig once. It was the weirdest thing. It was so bizarre, but it was for the Maxwells. And they took me over to the south of France and I had to perform in this villa and all these super rich people came and I was playing this sort of well I was actually playing an agony aunt sort of psychotherapist called Dr Thomasina Marshfield Mm. and I had these really awful people one of them was like I'm a CEO I only date CEOs but I've fallen in love with the guy that makes the coffee in my local coffee shop what should I do That's the uh. next question. <laughs> <laughs> was it really for the Maxwells? Yeah, wow. it was awful. I don't know really, you know, I shouldn't have done it really. You're but. like the Beyonce of your day, aren't you? <laughs> Posh People's Parties, that's a gig, isn't it? Posh People's Parties. Yeah, yeah definitely. Anyway, um, I, th- I think, yeah, I've, have we covered that one? Let's move on anyway. <laughs> I can't remember what the question is. I can't was. even remember what the question is there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Obviously, you know, take all of our advice with a pinch of salt. We're not professionals. So, dear old queens, do you have sex sheets with your long-term boyfriend? Oh, I read this one. It's my favourite one. Sex sheets, towels, blankets are a thing, obviously. I can't tell you the number of times that I've hooked up with a random guy and he's put down a sheet, towel, blanket before we get busy. Gay sex is messy. I get it. With my live-in long-term boyfriend, I thought it might be different, but we still put down a top sheet, specifically our sex sheet, in inverted commas, (laughs) whenever we have sex. If you've had a long-term relationship or partners or fuck buddy Or if you're single, do you do the same? Or do you just have sex in your regular bedsheets? I'm not asking for advice, just weirdly curious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It makes total sense to me with the the new person, the the sheet thing. It makes total sense. Yeah, with the new person. But what what about with, like, in an existing relationship? No, no, that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's... You use your normal sheets for your boyfriend, and then if there's anything, you know, for casual shags, you'd have a a funny sheet. Yeah. I I read that in the gay guide. But the thing that just immediately what I was thinking about is, what about just on the sofa? Yeah, well, don't do it in the bedroom. Well, I quite like just doing it on the sofa. Yeah. But do you have a sex sheet for that? No. (laughs) I think... You need a sex sheet for the sofa, Tom. Yeah. Well, doesn't this whole sheet thing take away some of the spontaneity of sex? Yes. (laughs) I mean, I I get it. I I get the practicalities of it. I literally have never had a sex sheet in my life, either in a relationship or outside of one. I mean, I can just wash the sheets if they're dirty. 
afterwards. That's why I'm saying the sofa is tricky because you can't wash the sofa. Yeah, maybe you should have a little. Well, I've got a leather sofa. It's white clean. Well, that's the answer. <laughs> yeah. The, well, that's the answer. Don't don't do it on the bed. Do it on the sofa and get a white clean leather one. Do it in the sofa, in the hallway, in the kitchen, <laughs> in the garden, even. You know, where, wherever. Well, now you can meet someone up in a in a park. Yeah, well, it's the only way to meet someone at the moment. <laughs> it's the only legal way to hook up and have sex is outside. Do they, or, do they still do that, the gays? Uh, yes. In the parks? Apparently so. Do they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's it's illegal to hook up in some... It's illegal to go into somebody's house at the moment unless you're bubbled with them. So if you're going to hook up with a random, the only less illegal place to do it is outside. Mm. So, but, you know, in how many days... Can we hook up inside? I think it's on your app, right? I've got an app, yeah. Okay, you got an app for that. Seventeenth of May. Seventeenth of May. Meet up with any. You can't have someone at your house until the seventeenth of May. Do you realise that? So it's. I, I, I want my friend, my best mate, to come and visit me and my boyfriend here, and he can't. We were talking about it earlier. I'm thinking about breaking the law, but uh, he can't come to visit until seventeenth of May, if you follow the rules. Mm, that's crazy. Unless you bubble, I mean, are you uh, if you bubble, he's got a family that he's in a bubble with already, so he can't right. bubble with us. Okay, but uh, yeah, maybe you'll be vaccinated by then, and it'll be easier. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I had my jab. Yeah, let, 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 I'm having mine tomorrow. Let, let's talk to my lawyers about it. Um, okay, like final question. This is a this is an odd one. So, dear old queens, headline is self attraction. So I'm curious about the normalcy of being attracted to oneself. I'm pointing this one to you, Tom. I've heard people call themselves cute, pretty, handsome, hot, sexy, etc. when looking at themselves in the mirror or such. But is, is it somewhat normal or okay to be turned on by oneself while looking at a na- naked picture of yourself? Or enjoy the view of your cock while jerking off (laughs) or looking at your ass in the mirror. (laughs) I feel weird when this happened. It's like it's wrong, but maybe it's not. Have you or do you know anyone else who has experienced this? Hopefully this question belongs here. If not, my apologies for sending it in to you. (laughs) Signed off Pink Narcissus. So... (laughs) Um, what, what what do we think? Self self attraction, fatal attraction. Yeah, I don't really know. I sort of I feel like I've ex- seen I've I've experienced elements of that. I do always check out my ass in the mirror because it's quite it still looks quite good. Although I say it myself, well, why and nobody you? else is seeing it right now. Well, the I'm trick not- is that you need two mirrors, so you look at yourself in another mirror through through two mirrors, and then you look like somebody else because you're looking in a complete direction. Mm. If you just look at yourself in the mirror, then you can tell it's you. Mm. But if you look at yourself naked through two mirrors, you look like somebody else. That's what I've found. <laughs> <laughs> so do, uh, do, do you um, – have you – partaken in some self-attraction i mean that feels like really practical advice i remember Simon. doing that joe, joe orton used to talk about that he used to set up mirrors at funny angles right and uh, then he'd pretend that there was somebody else in the room and so yeah i played that trick um but that that sounds like a good trick to have certainly during lockdown if you're single have you ever been with a lover that looks like a version of yourself 
Mm, unfortunately not. <laughs> I tell you what I have done though. I've got off with people that have had those mirrors on the ceilings. Oh yes. I, I love that. I love that as well. Yeah, I've done that. I, quite, I really liked that's it. That's totally sexy. Yeah. I quite like mirrors. Yeah, I, I quite like it if you have like like wardrobe mirrors and things like that so you can mm. kind of have a look while you're while whilst you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's quite good. Oh well, it used to be. I mean, at my age, maybe it's not so. <laughs> maybe it's not such a pretty sight anymore. <laughs> at the wrong angle. Sure, it's a beautiful sight. <laughs> well, and you know, in the words of RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, hey, how are you going to love somebody else? I mean, but maybe this guy's loving himself a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but maybe that's you know what we all need to do a bit more of well you know i think we've definitely been doing it during lockdown haven't we right well on that note i think we've come to the end of the show simon thank you so much for being our guest it's been a ball having you here it's been oh, a lovely to talk to you you two get on really well, don't you? Well, we d- well, it's all an act. We hate each other, really, but you know, <laughs> it's just for the show. So <laughs> it's nice that you said that, though, Simon. Yeah, I mean, it's working. Okay, I can tell. We're both performers. <laughs> oh, thank you, Simon, and thank you for being our guest uh, and answering those questions, which were amazing. Uh, so, what, what was the date again for Ducky coming back? Uh, it's open on the it's, we don't open until the 10th of July but we've got an online Zoom thing called Ducky International on Saturday the 27th of March if this comes out before then so I don't know it's out on Sunday uh, this week so it will be and oh okay oh, yeah, come to our Zoom come to Ducky International we've got performers from performance artists from India and Brazil and Johannesburg and all over the world because you can these days because it's all on Zoom. Amazing. Um, and where can people get tickets or get links or whatever for that? Uh, ducky.co.uk. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Also, it's but this is coming out on Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Simon, thank you so much for being our guest. Please say goodbye to our lovely audience. See you soon. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being here. And, Simon, get in touch because you owe me a gig. Oh, yes, yeah, from 10th of July onwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Live at Ducky That'd be soon. great, Tom. We'd love to have you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye, Tommy. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. We will see you next time on What That Old Queen. You have been listening to What That Old Queen, written and presented by Tom Marshman and Bernie Hodges. The show was produced by Bernie Hodges for Hodge Podcasting in 2021. If you have a question for the old queens, or you'd like to be a guest, or you want to sponsor a show and give us lots of money, you can email hello at thatoldqueen.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Hold up. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.